Go ahead and grab your seats and make sure that you have a growth guide. Pens are in the cups on the side. If you're watching online, welcome. We're so glad that you are here as well. And I will encourage you to check in and everybody else as well to check in. You can use the card that's in your growth guide or you can use the app or just text us. All that information is there. Uh, if you're our guest, if this is one of your first times here, then we would especially like to be able to welcome you and uh, stay in touch with you. So we're, we, don't, we don't really bother you, but every once in a while we might send you an email, uh, let you know what's going on here, and you can always unsubscribe if you don't want that. But uh, you're important to us, and we're glad that you are here today. So we want to know that you are here. Uh, also, you can submit your prayer requests when you check in as well. And... Uh, We'll be praying for you. So as I said, we're finishing up this series called Praxis Grow. The idea, two, two words, praxis and grow. Praxis has to do with our course of action, the things that we regularly do as followers of Jesus. And grow is from our model. We see in Jesus this pattern of praying, healing, and teaching, praying, teaching, and healing. And as his followers, we do the same kind of thing. And we've kind of retooled that as know, grow, and go. We want to know God. We want to grow together. That's the discipleship, apprenticeship process, following Jesus, and go and make a difference. So this whole series has been focused on the grow part. Uh, what are the things that we regularly do as followers of Jesus to be apprenticed by him and to grow together? And the big idea for this whole series has been this one, that you must connect relationally in order to grow spiritually. Our faith is a very relational faith. And so when we get started in our faith, it's coming into a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is our Father, and He has put us in a family with brothers and sisters, and I think that's by design. That's how you grow. You connect relationally to grow spiritually. So as we're wrapping this up, we want to make sure that everybody at Cornerstone has a circle, not just a row, but a circle, a group of people that know you, know, and you know them, that you're more than just uh, church mates, but you are friends. You have a circle, because all of us have probably had this experience where you can be in a crowded room, you can be with dozens of other people, even thousands of other people, and feel very alone, right? Because you don't have that relational connection. People don't want to just be in a crowd. They want to be in a circle. And so all too often, it's possible, even in a small church like ours, relatively small church, that you can show up week in and week out, and it's possible to not have those connections. So what we want to do is, as much as possible, design our church so that it is impossible to not have a circle. So that's the kind of thing that we are talking about today. We have, um, we, we have highlighted over this series the next steps that you take. And so these are just different ways of, of connecting with our church. So we want you to connect in a small group relationally. That's one of them. And we've seen how that ties in with another serving on a team monthly. And also we've seen last week the focus was on how even in a circle that you're a part of, you have a place to serve. So it kind of hits both of those. And the other uh, next steps that's related to this is inviting others regularly. We are a tight-knit circle 
that is always open to including others. That's how this works. So the question is, how do we make sure everyone at Cornerstone is someone to someone else? We want everybody at Cornerstone to have a circle, everybody to have those connections, everybody to have a relational connection so that everybody at Cornerstone is someone to someone else so you never feel like you are alone. What we want to do is we want to complete the circle. And that's what the, the message is called today because apart from your participation, your inclusion in the circle, we are incomplete God made it so that we need each other. We work together with one another. And so anytime somebody is outside of the circle, anytime that somebody is not participating in the life of the church, the rest of the church, the rest of the body, that's the illustration that the Apostle Paul uses over and over again, we suffer if part of our body is missing. You know, none of us would want to lose a finger lose an ear, lose, a, lose hearing, lose sight. And when we don't have everybody in the circle, then we are suffering as a result. So today we're talking about circles. And here's what I want to say to you. This is the bottom line for today. If you want to take notes, small groups are the context for connection at Cornerstone. Small groups are the context for connection. Yes, you're going to show up on Sunday morning. Yes, you're going to watch online. But, but in order to connect, that's not going to happen in a deep and meaningful way on Sunday morning. There have to be opportunities for relational connection outside of this. You need a circle, and small groups are our context for connection at cornerstone. So I'm going to look at scripture, and what you'll see here is when you become a part of a church, when you become a follower of Jesus, you get three new things. First, you get a new crew. Secondly, you get a new you. And third, you get a new hairdo. No, a new to-do, a new to-do, a job. So what I hope is that everyone here will accept your place in a circle at cornerstone. I want you to have a circle within the church. So let's look at Jesus' invitation. This is his calling of the disciples. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 to 22. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And um, I'm going to give you basically the, uh, the, the last verse, verse, the first verse, which is the last verse of the previous section, is verse 17. It summarizes Jesus' ministry. And then it goes into the calling of the disciples, of several of the disciples. So here's what it says. First, there's a summary of Jesus' ministry. Verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, you're going to turn from your old way of life. You're going to follow a new way of life because the kingdom of heaven is near. And then what's the very next thing that he does? When the kingdom of heaven is near, he invites people into his circle. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat, and their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony that we have of eyewitnesses to your ministry and your life, your death, burial, and resurrection. I thank you that they recorded it, that we can look at it today, a trustworthy record of what you did when you walked on the earth. Lord, as we look at the calling of the disciples, which extends by, through the ages down to us, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us that people would today hear your call to follow you, to come into a new relationship, one of forgiveness and cleansing and a fresh start. I pray, Lord, that we who are following you would hear your call echo in our lives to serve one another, to follow you by laying down our lives for one another. I pray, Lord, that you would prompt us to action because we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers also. We want to be a people full of integrity. And Lord, I pray that just as you created us with the idea of relationship, just as you created us with the idea of making us a part of your family, that we would grasp that vision, embrace it, and live it out in our context here and now, today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at it together. So at Cornerstone, small groups are the context for connection at Cornerstone. First thing I want you to see in this passage is this. You get a new crew. You get a new circle. So Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He sees these two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. So they're going on with their lives. It's probably a family business. They are doing their job. And, uh, you know, so they have their circle. They have their family. They have their business. They have their regular customers, most likely. And Jesus walks along, and he makes an invitation. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. And he's inviting them into a new and different circle. He's giving them a new crew. He's gathering his disciples. He's making a new circle, and he's inviting them into it. And we'll see a little bit later that that made a dramatic, meant a dramatic transformation for their lives. They are leaving their business. They are leaving their family. They are leaving their home base area and embracing this new circle, this new crew as their circle. Now, this is what happens when you become a follower of Jesus. You get a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And not only do we have our sins forgiven and we have a new way of life and and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells and empowers us, but he puts you in a family. And I don't think that's by accident. Just like in the natural, when you are born, you are born into a family. You have a mother, you have a father. Often there are brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents. And there's something about that setting that grows you up and matures you. Ideally, by design, that's how you grow up in that context. And without that, you are not going to flourish. A child will not flourish in the same way kind of think it's by design that when God adopts you into his family, you get brothers and sisters in Christ. You get a circle. 
Because when you connect relationally, that prompts you to grow spiritually. That's part of our purpose for and with one another, is to have a new crew. So it's not just good enough to come and slip in late, leave early, sit in the seat, have no connection, no context, no serving of one another. That's not how a family works, and that's not how the family of God works either. So small groups are that context for a connection at Cornerstone. You get a new crew, but you also get a new you. I love this part of the invitation. Jesus says, follow me, but he goes on to say something else to them as well. He says, and I will make you fishers of men. This is a more literal translation, New American Standard, but the even more literal translation, which is not better, it's just more literal, is I will make you to become fishers of men. If you were to like very woodenly translate the way that the Greek is in there, it's I will make you to become fishers of men. Here's what I love about that. He's not just saying, I'm going to give you a new job. I'm going to give you, a, you know, something else to do. He's saying, I'm going to take you and you've been fishers. That's been your job. You know how to fish for fish. But I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. I'm going, to, I'm going to turn you into something that you were not before. Just by coming into this relationship, I'm going to give you a new life. There's going to be a new you as well as your new crew. And when you are invited into the family of God, that's what he does. He makes us new. The Apostle Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians 5.17 as uh, as being a new creation. The old you is gone, the new has come. And over and over throughout the scriptures, that's the way it's described, is talking about new birth or new life. And the symbolism of baptism, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but you've been raised to new life in Christ. He's going to make you something new. He's going to change you. He's going to work to complete and mature and perfect you. And part of that, a big part of that, the, the, the um, functionality of that, how does that happen? Well, he puts you in a circle where you learn how to love one another. You learn how to work through things. You encourage and build up each other. And you find that in the context of that relationship, what do we say when, we, when we're saying you connect relationally and you grow spiritually? It means you're going to mature. You're going to become the newer you, the, the you that God had in mind for you. And that happens in the context of those relationships. He's saying to his disciples, come, follow me, be a part of my circle. You'll have a nurse, new circle. And in the context of that new circle, you become the you that I had in mind for you all along. And that's what happens in that circle. So that's why it's important for you to have that circle. That's why we want it to make it as impossible as it possibly can be for you not to have a circle at Cornerstone because that's the context for connection. So you get a new crew, you get a new you, and you get a new to-do. You get a new job. You see this very clearly in this passage. 
So he's saying, I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. I'm going to, you, were, you were doing this, and now you're going to do this. And so they leave that behind. In Matthew 4.20, they left their nets at once and followed him. And then he goes down the shore a little bit, invites two other brothers to join in. And what did they do? Same thing, parallel passage, two verses down. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. What were they doing? They were saying, okay, I'm going to accept this invitation. I'm going to have a new crew. I'm going to have a, a that's, that's going to transform me and make me into the, the person that I am supposed to be. And part of that is I have, I have a job to do. I have a way of contributing as well. And so that's the invitation. It's like, you're, you're going to have stuff to do. There's going to be a job. There's going to be a ministry. There's going to be an opportunity to serve in that as well. And so before we go on and talk about how we specifically apply this at our, at our church, I want to make sure that you understand that that imper- most important first step, the one that we emphasize, the one that we talk about at least, uh, you know, try to talk about at least every week, is that first saying, yes, you hear the call of Jesus saying, follow me. And it's not automatic. You know, they could have been, he could have said, follow me. And they said, no, you know, actually, you know, I'm supposed to inherit this business. This is how I make money. I got family and friends here. They could have said no, or they could have done nothing and just going on with their lives. It's important to say yes. It's important to accept that invitation. When you accept that invitation, that's when you are included in Jesus' crew, his family. You become a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's, where, that's when he gives you new life from the inside out. That's when he puts you on a new path to do new things. But you have to say yes. And so what are you saying yes to? You're saying yes to the forgiveness that is yours because of what Jesus did on the cross. You're saying yes to his leadership in your life that from this point on, he's the boss. He gets to call the shots. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have said yes to Jesus? It's not automatic, but you can do that right now. In the quietness of your heart, you just say, yes, Lord. I want you to be my savior for my sins to be forgiven. I want you to be my Lord. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do things your way from this point on. That's how it starts. So make sure you don't miss that. Then, You've become part of his circle. But part of that is that you also are going to not just be a part of his bigger circle, but be a part of a circle of family and friends within your community, within the church, that is going to be your family for the here and now. So how do we do that at Cornerstone? It's in our small groups. And small groups, what are we talking about? We're talking about those teams and groups and ministries within the church that give you an opportunity to accomplish these things. So let's talk about what these things are. Our life group mission. Uh, every, it, it, it's break, broken into three parts. So our mission as a church is to inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because we know that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. So in these groups, in your circle, we want to inspire and equip everyone at Cornerstone. If you consider Cornerstone your home church, we want you to be in a group, and we want to make sure that everybody has that opportunity. And then there's the buy part of it. How, how do you do that in this context? So buy 
connecting relationally, growing spiritually, and serving intentionally. Connecting relationally. You want to make space for relationships because as you connect relationally, you're going to grow spiritually. Growing spiritually. It's the place where somebody knows and notices what's going on with you and can spur you on, help you to take, point out next steps that you can take. And also serving intentionally. Serving, we most often talk about in the context of joining a team and you know, showing up early, set up, greeting others, serving in the tech, that kind of thing. But in the context of each circle, you, that's your primary opportunity to serve others within that circle. And sometimes it's an actual job or role that you have. And sometimes it's just being there for people. But it gives you a context for serving others. And why do we do that? That's the third part, the because, because we must connect relationally to grow spiritually. This is a verse that I always come back to when we talk about this kind of thing. It's Ephesians 4.16. It says, as each part does its own special work. Remember how I said each part, everybody's important. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And if you look closely, you'll see how the working, growing, and loving connect with those three parts of our mission within the life group. So what are the distinctives of a life group? And this is important. Every member is a minister. Uh, it's not you come and you show up and somebody teaches you or somebody serves you or somebody does something for you. It's mutual ministry. We participate in the body of Christ together. The other thing that I like to emphasize is that it's more about friends than meetings. So often Sunday schools or small groups are, are focused on, you know, well, when do you meet? Where do you meet? What do you do when you meet? There's a place for that, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the emphasis that I want is I want you to have a circle. I want you to have friends. I want you to have connect, relational connections with, other, with others, and that's the point not just getting together. Getting together, as you'll see, serves a purpose, but it serves a greater purpose. It's not the point in and of itself. And in a verse where, that we talk about meeting together, I think you can see this. Let's look at it. It's Hebrews 10.24. says, let us, and this is used all the time by people that want you to show up at church. It's like, you know, remember this. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But I, what I want you to notice is that assembling together is a means to an end. What's the main purpose? What's the main encouragement of this verse, of this phrase, this sentence? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The part about meeting together and not meeting together, we haven't even got to it yet because the main point that the author of Hebrews is making is this. We should be figuring out how to serve one another, how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so meeting together is just one of the tools in our toolbox for doing that. It's important, but only to the point, only to the, to the, to the um, extent that it does this. It, it, it serves this purpose to spur us on toward love and good deeds. You've probably been a part of churches or groups or you know, certain Sundays where you got together, but this wasn't happening, right? I, 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 we, we don't want that to happen. We, we don't want that to happen in this circle. So just remember that that's the main point, not just meeting together, but to do this. Now, 
not giving up meeting together is something in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Meetings can be a tool towards encouraging one another. You need some face time with each other, but that's not the point. It's serving a greater purpose. So that's why when we get to the schedule, now that I've laid that foundation, yeah, you're, you are going to have face-to-face get-togethers. It's important to be in the same room. But I don't want you to just think of that as you know, a certain night, a certain time, uh, a certain schedule. I want you to think of it as a relationship. So yeah, you should get together, and, and you should schedule that. But that, let that serve the greater purpose. And then secondly, regular fun fellowships. Last month, I challenged the whole group, the whole church to get together and have fun. Why? Because that creates the context for relationship building. That wasn't just a once a month thing. That was designed to start a habit. We want you to create those times where you're going to be able to get together face-to-face with an opportunity to build relationships. So we've talked about how you can serve one another in the context, and this is actually the primary context that you will have to do ministry in our church is in a circle, in a small group. So let me give you some suggested roles. Now, these aren't all the roles, but these are some of the roles. And when you are in a group, then you are going to have an opportunity to do these. Now, let me kind of give you the end game. When I said I wanted to make it virtually impossible for you to be a part of Cornerstone and not be included in a circle. We're going we're gonna to help you with that. Some of you are already in circles. You are in small groups. You're in teams that function as a small group, and that's wonderful. We don't want to replace that. We want to build that. We want to encourage that. But a good portion of you are also don't have that connection. And if you needed something or if you needed somebody to pray for you or something like that, you might not necessarily, you might say, uh, I could call Pastor Brian. I'm not sure. You know, maybe if it, always do that. Feel free to do that, by the way. But, uh, but we want you to have somebody that you know. You, know. you could pick up the phone. You could text. You could connect with. You could say, hey, I need, I need to have coffee with somebody. We need to talk to somebody. You would have somebody like that. And so we took our leadership team and we took the list of people who are part of the congregation and said, let's divvy them up and let's see what we can do so that uh, this will be the starter groups, right? That, that uh, you know, we're, we're, we're probably not going to be the best group you've ever been a part of, but you will be a part of a group, right? Uh, so we're going to do that. And so in the next coming weeks, you're going to get an invitation or you say, hey, I'm responsible for you. Just wanted to let you know. When you get that, when you're a part of that circle, you're going to have an opportunity to serve one another, and, and, and we as leaders are going to be looking for people to do these kinds of things, and so I'll tell you what they are. Number one, I want to make sure that you understand that a leader of a group is not primarily a teacher. Someone, uh, so much of our um, preconceived notions of what a group is in a church is, you know, I'm going to be the teacher. I'm going, you're going to sit still while I instill. That's not the model that we're looking for here. Leaders are primarily pastors or shepherds. Now, don't be freaked out by that. Oh, I'm not a pastor. The pastor in the, in the scriptures isn't about, you know, having a seminary degree. It's about the role that you play. I'm, think, think of a shepherd. It's somebody that cares for his flock. And a, a shepherd or a pastor in this context of a small group is, is just the person that makes sure that people are cared for. 
That's your primary role as a leader. And in the past, I've talked to you about how you can take, okay, if this is, this is the circle, and this is everything that happens in that circle, you want to uh, split that out. You want to multiply ministry. So you draw a line through it and say, okay, uh, of the things that have to be done, what are some four things? Here's one way you could do that. First, you want to make sure that somebody is keeping track of the people in the group. I call this an in-reach leader. They, you keep track of and keep moving the people in the group. When people come to a church, they come to a church for a variety of different reasons, they say, but people leave because they're not noticed or not needed. Not noticed, not needed. In other words, you know, I wasn't there for four weeks and nobody called me. Nobody, nobody asked what was going on. We don't ever, 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 ever want that to happen here. I'm not needed. Uh, you know, they've got, everything seems to be going fine. And yeah, every once in a while they ask, you know, can you help? But I didn't help and things still happen. No, you are needed. Everybody that's part of the congregation is needed. And an in-reach leader is going to make sure that nobody goes unnoticed and nobody feels unneeded. That's the idea. Keep them moving. Keep them growing. Keep track of the people in the group. Then, of course, you could guess this. Next, outreach leader. What's an outreach leader do? Invites every regular and every newcomer to every fellowship. Remember our schedule? You're going to have at least fun. You're going to have fun at least once a month. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have a little bit of fun. So you make sure that everybody that's in the group gets invited to that and that as new people show up, that they get invited as well. Well, I'm not sure what group they're going to be a part of. Invite them anyway. You know, they're, they are participating in that group. Invite them anyway. The more connections, the better. Just make sure that everybody is connected. The fellowship leader is somebody who plans that fellowship every month. I think of uh, some of you are old enough to remember the love boat. There was always a cruise director on that show that made sure everybody was having fun on the boat. This is the small group cruise director. This is the person that makes sure that, that, that something's going on that creates space for people to have connections. So if you're the kind of person that loves to plan parties or get people together, this is the role for you. Then lastly, I would say you could be a prayer leader. This is a great opportunity to encourage and equip the group to pray. More people praying more often. When you get together and there are prayer requests, maybe you send out the email. You're, you make sure that people are getting prayed for. So this is just some of the different ways that you can serve one another in that context. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to accept the invitation. When somebody contacts you or says, hey, would you be a part of this group? Just say yes. You know, it's not about meetings. It's about having a point of connection. If your schedule is flexible or, or tight, that's okay. They'll still follow up with you and make sure that you have a point of connection at Cornerstone. Uh, and I want you to serve one another. They're going to be the next thing that the, that the people who are leaders of these groups are going to be. And if you already are leading a group, you should be filling these roles. Uh, let's figure out how to serve one another. Take on responsibility. We talked about this week when you take on last week when you talk, take on responsibility, you grow. So take on responsibility. So that's what we've been talking about today. We've been talking about circles. Small groups are the context for connection at Cornerstone. Small groups, that circles are where you get a new crew a new you, and a new to-do. So say yes to all those. When you're invited, accept your place in a circle at Cornerstone. And when you do, you will be noticed 
You're not going to be able to slip through the cracks. You are going to be needed. You're going to recognize that we need one another. You'll have somebody that's there for you when you need somebody, and you'll have a place where you can exercise your gifts and realize that you are needed. And in the end, as each part does its own special work, it helps all the other parts to grow, and we will be a church that is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. How about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I guess as I end up, the thing that is uh, most amazing and I'm most thankful for is that you invited us into your circle. Uh, We didn't deserve it. We could never earn it. And yet you gave it to us as a gift of grace. And Lord, I thank you for the circle that you've given to us, that you've given to me. I love this church. I love the people of this church, which is what the church is. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fulfill your great commandment of loving one another. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to figure this out so that nobody slips through the cracks, nobody is not noticed, and everybody recognizes that they are needed not only recognizes that, but has a place where they fulfill their calling to serve one another. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Have a great week.